Welcome, my fellow wannabes. Welcome to the show. I am Gabriel Fast, and joined alongside me is Caleb Henley for an episode of Game Club. Caleb, how you feeling, man? And life's good. I don't have, yeah, anything really to complain about right now. So things are going pretty good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, we were originally supposed to record a Fast and the Furious episode today, but that's not what ended up happening. And who knows whenever this episode's going to come out. But uh, Caleb was so so gracious to um, agree to do this episode because this is going to kind of kick off our uh, review together of reviewing. What are we reviewing, Caleb? Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, if you couldn't gather that from the title. So <laughs> I'm I'm excited to play this game, Caleb, because um or really, you know, finish the game because I, I've had I've had kind of a tumultuous affair with this mm. with this game, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um that man, I, I, I love your backdrop. It's so like I you know, it it kind of reminds me of like, you know, I, I want a party. But I like I like to be civil too at the same time. You know what I mean? Which, it's like a mullet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Business in the front, party in the back. There you go. I'll tell I'll tell my wife that you uh, think that about our decorating skills. I'm yeah. sure she'll love. <laughs> yeah, which this is a, which this is an audio only show, which so the the listeners can't quite um, see what's going on. But you'll have to go check out our main feed on the wannabe critic on YouTube if you want to see what I'm talking about with Caleb. But ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, this is Game Club, where we talk video games a lot. We give a detailed review, sometimes over the course of several episodes, a couple times a month. Some of these games you already know, and some of these you don't, which is all the more reason to be part of the club, all done in wannabe fashion and geeked out goodness. As I said before, we're talking about Horizon Zero Dawn today, and we're going to be trying to kind of, I don't know, I'd like I'd like to get four episodes out of this, but, uh, you know, if it only comes down to two or three, that's fine too. But, in our constant efforts and attempts to make quality content, we have branched off into several podcast feeds, of which we're available to you right now. Of course, we have the, the Wannabe Critic, your weekly stop for diversity. Anything from random topics to comic reviews to album reviews to interviews to movie and TV show reviews. Right now, as I mentioned before, we're going through the Fast and the Furious franchise that's been a lot of fun that's been uh it's been great to um to you know revisit those and revisit some of the childhood although we're getting to, into the, some of the newer movies you know it's uh it's kind of i don't know it's kind of taking a turn for the worse but we also have a couple more podcasts story time a handcrafted narrative from a group of dedicated star wars fans as well as borrowing some lore and data from many star wars works a glorified opportunity to tell stories that are inside the fans heads which is also available every couple of weeks and then last but not least, we have a guy and his wife. This is a monthly show f for now. For uh, It's originally we had you know this show on the main wannabe critic podcast feed and had several ideas for it until it came back around to Emma and I just wanting to sit down and talk about stuff, which is exactly what we've been doing. We've been going to the MCU. Caleb has mentioned it to us. You know, we've been kind of talking with Caleb about it back and forth, and that's been fun too. But, Caleb, we're yes. here to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. Yeah, that's the. I think that's the first time you've had you've heard the official spiel. I think that we're gonna try and put at the beginning of each episode to get more listeners on our uh, on our shows. So, uh, how did I do? B plus, B minus. You know what? I think you can work on some things here and there. It's never gonna be perfect, but that's hey, right. It was pretty good. Your first time, that was good. Okay, yeah. thanks. I appreciate that, Caleb. Yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn released in 2016 for the PlayStation Four. 
Mm-hmm. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been a part of this show or, or you know been a part of the wannabe critic for any amount of time, you know we love playing video games here, and you know that I, we have very strong opinions about video games, and they mean a big thing to us. Caleb, when was the first time you got to go? Because you you've already been through the game once, correct? Yeah, yeah, I've completed the game. Yeah, one time through. Okay, and so you're on New Game Plus now. Yeah, exactly. Which is such an awesome feature. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> I could only imagine restarting the game from you know um, from like with being able to get all your upgrades and stuff. And before we get into this, you know, too too deep, I want to say I've played this game before. I never finished it. So here's the thing: I take you back to circa two 2016. I am living. Um, of course, this is before me and Emma got married, and I'm living in Arkansas. And for whatever reason, the gaming gods thought it would be a good idea to release Breath of the Wild and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn within a week from each other. And, you know, I just had a brand new Switch, and I got both of them. And I decided, you know, for some reason, Horizon wasn't clicking with me as much, and everyone was talking about how good Breath of the Wild is. So I decided I chose Breath of the Wild over Horizon, and I was a coward. I never finished it. Um... Horizon. I never finished Horizon, and I, and I wish I would have because Breath of the Wild let me down so bad. And I, I feel like Horizon even kind of suffered a little bit. My opinion of Horizon suffered a little bit because I had such a bad taste in my mouth from Zelda. And you know, I, you're shaking your head a lot. I want to. I want to. I want to hear your thoughts on this story. Yeah. No. I was just gonna say. I think that you can't really talk about, especially the release and reception of Horizon Zero Dawn, without talking about Breath of the Wild. Yeah. I've had it. I've heard it said before that Horizon Zero Dawn would have been a game of the year, like probably would have won it, yeah. If not for Breath of the Wild, yeah. And just how immensely popular and probably more accessible because it was on the Switch, which had recently released, and how big that had blown up. And most people think that it's a good game. I've never played it before, so I don't know, you know, how bad or good Breath of the Wild is, but. Yeah, it seems like it really kind of overshadowed Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. And I feel like Horizon Zero Dawn, while it does have like a really big, like a good fan base and it does receive a lot of praise, I feel like it didn't reach its full potential or full amount of praise that it probably deserves due to being overshadowed by something like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. And and it's not the thing of that Horizon isn't a good game because it obviously is. It has a lot of, it does have a lot of praise. But, you know, there was the thing of e- even at release with Breath, Breath of the Wild because Breath of the Wild was technically like a launch title, you know, in a lot of ways for um, the Switch, which, I mean, that's not 100% true, but it came out very shortly after the Switch was released because I hadn't had my Switch for very long. And... It was that thing of even even though there were people on PlayStation that were going to be getting Horizon, there were also lots of a huge portion of the PlayStation fan base that were going to be picking up a Switch so that they could play Zelda, you know, because Zelda is such is one of the biggest names in gaming and has such a, a pedigree that most most games never, uh, you know, attain ever, you know, with like a lot of um, even like you, you take something like Uncharted from Naughty Dog or even something like The Last of Us from from Naughty Dog. That that arguably will never achieve the pedigree that something like Zelda has. That's just how big it is in gaming, and um, that's not to say that those franchises aren't obviously massive because they are. Everyone knows those franchises, but everyone knows Zelda. You know, people in their fifties and sixties know Zelda. Go ahead. Yeah, and just another thought talking about those two. Um, 
you have one that's a sequel and is in a long line of gaming that's been around for decades. And then you have a new startup original like story, original game, something that we've never seen before. It's like, um, you know, at the box office with movies, if you have like Transformers 7 releasing on the same day as, you know, a brand new movie that no one really knows about, no one knows the story, which one is going to perform better? Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean which one is the better movie because Transformers probably isn't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, which one is going to perform better? It's right. because, you know, people know that, people know the franchise or even like, something as crappy as Transformers might not be a good analogy, but you know, you could say Mission Impossible movies or Star Wars or anything is going to do better. A sequel is always going to usually do better than a new property. And I think that's probably part of it too, why it got so overshadowed. Which, and also too, like, you know, Horizon has really built a fan base, but no one knew at the time how big it was going to be. You could almost, you could almost argue to kind of take your illustration a little further or your analogy a little further it's like Star Wars versus something like the Born Identity launching. You know what I mean? You don't know that it's going to be as big as it is until it is. And obviously, Horizon has made its stamp on, you know, being one, being one of the most definitive being a part of the definitive PlayStation 4 experience. Like it's like, "Oh my god, you haven't played Horizon?" You know what I mean? Like it's a big deal. And um, you know, I've I've just been busy for a long time, but it, it, I like how you said you can't talk about these the, the release of Horizon without talking about, you know, the release of Breath of the Wild because they go hand in hand. And I was there day one for both of them. I waited in line for both of them. So obviously, you know, we're trying to break up this um, review into a few different parts. And what I what I want to do is, you know, kind of for this first episode, kind of give our first impressions because I played up until about level 20 or 22 25 23 something like that and really the only thing that i remember about that game was a couple of things i remember you know obviously the 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 world the machines um i remember there's a point where you know the machines kind of start uh like going evil or something like that like corrupted i think is what it is like they're kind of being hacked or something and I didn't really learn about why that was happening or anything. So at that, about that time, you know, that's kind of the thing that I learned. But I really want to talk about kind of what my, your initial feeling was towards this game and what made you want to keep going. Um, so I, I want to I wanna hear your, your full spiel, you know, with your initial impressions and even really kind of how you feel after the first time you played it. And then I'll give my two cents. Okay, so yeah, um... I'd never played a game like this before. Um, this is kind of my first ever, you know, attempt into a game like this where it's open world. The like possibilities are endless. And I think that the combat system is so unique too. I just, I'd never played a game like it before. And I play, started playing this game in 2019, late 2019, like probably September, October of 2019. So I was like really late to the party and I've been meaning to kind of get around to this game like for a long time, but I just hadn't pulled the trigger for some reason. So I started playing this game and I think the thing that really drew me in was one, it looks great, which is, you know, kind of saying a lot for a game that's a few years old. Um, I still think it looks really, really good. The art style is really, really good. Um, And the story in the world of it all just kind of just 
drew me completely into it to where I was just so kind of like encompassed in this world. And I don't know, I've never really been drawn into a game and into the world as much as I had been with this game. And I think that's one of the things that kind of drew me into it all. And I loved all the gameplay aspects of the game. Once you kind of get, uh, get it figured out and get it all figured out and just the endless exploring. And I mean, almost a mystery around every corner. And then the story itself is just, yeah, it's just insane and such a, I think, unique story. Um, I mean, sure, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic setting and there's plenty of post-apocalyptic stuff out there, but this was extremely, I felt like, unique post-apocalyptic world that really just kind of drew me in. And as you start kind of finding out more and more and more about the world and as things get revealed in the game, it's just there's something about it that kind of almost like hits you in the pit of your stomach and you can like almost feel it. It's I've never really had a game hit me in the same way that this game has hit me or made me feel. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like this game so much and why it might be like my favorite game I've ever played because there's just this feeling of being completely in this world that I don't get with any other game. And this almost feeling of like, well, I don't want to stop playing this game. It's really, it's a really weird thing um, that I still haven't really grown tired of it. Yeah, I, I, I love everything you just said because I remember, and, and to the thing of you're talking about immersion, you know, immersion in a game. And, you know, we immerse ourselves as human beings into a lot of different things, movies, especially Star Wars and things like that. And there's this thing that always kind of gets thrown around of, oh, this particular facet sucked me right out of it. Like it sucked me out of the world. Anytime I've ever played this game, I have never experienced anything that was like game breaking or, or or made me feel like I'm in a game. Like I am I am experiencing Aloy's story. Like in like in a sense, like you know it didn't happen, but it feels like it did happen. And that immersive quality to it, I mean, honestly, <clears throat> that's textbook to PlayStation, you know. Um, that's what PlayStation does. They're really good at selling you these third person um, story driven, you know, experiences really. And that's kind of their MO. And that's why they outsell, you know, Xbox 10 to one is because they know what gamers want right now, you know, or a large portion of gamers want right now and really have always wanted. And really that, that kind of how, you know, kind of bleeds into my first impressions with the game. Um, I remember popping it, popping it in, you know, at like midnight. And I remember talking to your sister and who is my wife, by the way, if this is your first time listening, um, and telling her like, oh yeah, I went to midnight release for this thing. And she's like, oh, well, how is it? Or I think that was that thing of they could release it at 11 o'clock now, you know? So I played it until like 12 or one in the morning or something like that. And I just remember when Aloy is a little kid, because it starts out as Aloy, you know, um, she gets her focus, right? Which, and, and you know, this is going to be some minor spoilers for the beginning of the game. And really, we, we will probably be, end up spoiling this by the end of the f- last episode, maybe. Or, you know, there's there's going to be minor spoilers, I would say, throughout this entire review. Um, and it's one of those things of, if you haven't played this game, and you're hearing this episode right now, and you have a PlayStation, or you're thinking about getting a PlayStation... I would argue that this game is probably one of the PlayStation sellers, you know, 
this is like the Uncharted 2 of the PS4 genre. Like, if you want to go out and buy Horizon or buy a PlayStation just so you can play Horizon, no one's going to make fun of you for it or give you a hard time. Um, but getting back to my story, I remember thinking whenever she's a little baby and she gets, or not a baby, but like a kid, the rendering on how it looked, I remember thinking to myself just the way she looked as a kid, like, holy crap the emotion that is being conveyed with the motion capture and like everything that is being conveyed right now, it immediately hit me as, Oh my God, like the, she is an outcast for real. And I, I totally bought into the world. I totally bought into everything that they were trying to, um, sell me, you know, and that thing of like, why are they treating her this way? You know, is it cause she's a ginger? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but I, my first impressions, and whenever you go down to get the focus, which is the thing that lets her, you know, see enemies and, like, scan, and it's this technology, and it, kind of like you said, like, the mystery of, well, if we're in a post-apocalyptic, like, caveman-type era, why does she have this technology, and, like, why are there machines everywhere, and what's going on, and automatically all these questions start coming to my mind, and I'm hooked. I'm, like, in it. And... I really don't think that, that there's any higher praise that you can give a game with a first impression of, wow, this is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember feeling weird about Aloy as the game progressed. And my wife played to about the same point that I did before she stopped playing. And I'd like to kind of ask you, like, what is your opinion of Aloy. How do you feel about Aloy? Is she kind of off-putting to you? Um, you know what? Not entirely. Because here's the thing. And I don't want this to be like a huge like sexist issue. But I think that if she said the same things that she said and she was a male character, I don't think that you might I, I don't think you might not have that feeling. You know? Yeah. But she kind of has like this attitude. Yes. Right? She and does. For a female character to have that attitude, I feel like some you know, it could come across like that to some people. But I think that for what her background is and what her story is and how she's been treated for her entire life, and also realizing that she doesn't hasn't really had any social interactions with people except for with, you know, Ross, Ross the guy yeah. that raised her. I mean, what what would you kind of expect? And she's kind of thrust and she's getting, she's having to go through all these social interactions with people in the middle of a crisis yeah. where she's kind of at the center of attention. So I think it, it's a really tough place for, I think her to be where I think her character is fine. And I think, I mean, on all honesty, I think if her character was a male and she was bringing that same attitude, I don't think it would be as noticeable if that makes any sense. No, it does. And I, and that's kind of one of the, one of the things that I wanted to touch on is, you know, I was raised as an only child and, and didn't really have a lot of female interaction anyways, you know, whenever I was a kid. Um, and it was one of those things of like, whenever you have your protagonist is going to be a female character, you have to sell that to a male audience. And obviously we bought it. Like we bought the game. We're experiencing it. You said you've enjoyed the game. I said I enjoyed the game, but there is this weird thing of, I I feel like for the female character to make sense in a lot of ways to other female players, 
there is a certain like mentality that men just do not comprehend that males do just they don't comprehend it and Absolutely. I think I think that's where the disconnect is. And it has nothing to do with her being a female protagonist because I'm all about Ray. I'm all about Katniss Everdeen. Like, I'm all about Ellie. Like, I'm all about the female power thing. Like, I think that's great, you know, to an extent. Like, I don't have, I don't have any problem with it. You know what I mean? So the thing of it, it, it is that weird thing of, like, I don't know where she's coming from really other than yes she's an outcast and she hasn't had very much interaction but there's multiple quests side quests that i played up to you know this is probably even 10 hours in you know five to ten hours in you're playing and even up after the proving you know you're just you're kind of learning you know uh aloy as a character and kind of getting to know what her psyche is and how she feels and things like that. And she very much is the hero. Like, I, well, like, I can do it. I can do it. You know, that's, that's a lot of her character is, well, he can do it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are straight up quests where you go to do something and she's like, well, yeah, I guess I'll take care of it for you. Or, uh, yeah, like fine, I guess I can, whatever. And it's just really weird. I've never experienced that with a character before. And maybe that is because of her upbringing and being an outsider. And maybe it is that thing of like, she has been treated so badly and now she's trying to help people, but there she doesn't know if she's going to be getting a genuine interaction with that person. And there's just a lot of confusion that why wouldn't you just want to serve out of the goodness of your heart? Can you kind of, what's your feeling on that? Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, I guess, but I don't know. I've never really had that same feeling because there's a part like early on in the um, game too, where she specifically asked when she's kind of getting sent out as a seeker, and she's talking to one of like the matriarchs and she asks the matriarchs like, well, should I help the tribe? And like, should I, you know, go out and help? And uh, the matriarch tells her, well, yeah. Um, you know, if that's what you feel like you should do, if that's what you feel like, you know, you how the, the best way that you can serve as a seeker, then that's what you should do. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, yeah, I don't, necessarily see that as much i think that she does have an just an odd kind of like way about her but i almost attribute that more to it being almost more production value than necessarily a character flaw yeah if you get what i'm saying i might be like one of my i mean in all honesty like i don't think of it as much as a character flaw as being yeah something that could have been executed better by either the voice actor or by the direction, the direction or the production company or anything. And I mean, I think all video games are going to suffer from that in some extent. I mean, I don't think any video game has perfect, you know, dialogue or voice acting or because it's something it's incredibly hard to get right. Yeah. It's hard to convey the right feeling. It is. And very, very few games are able to get it like perfect, you know, almost perfect. Yeah. I, th- I kind of, I think, attributed it more to that, and that's maybe why I don't necessarily see that as much as a fatal flaw. Yeah. That makes any sense. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, is for me, it's not it's not necessarily a flaw. It's just something in my mind that every time I go back to this game, I, I, I don't, there's something off about it. And it, it is very much, 
this is this studio's first time ever doing something like this. We're talking about the studio that made the Killzone games. And the last Killzone, which was a launch title, which was a launch title for the PS4, Killzone Shadowfall, that was a somewhat linear, that was a linear but somewhat kind of open experience. I mean, nothing like what you'd see today, but it was very much like a Halo or something like that, you know, kind of the sa- around the same thing. But th- so th- my point is this game, this studio knows how to make quality games but this is their first time ever trying an open world experience like this. Story and driven. Story yeah. driven, you know, uh, multi, you know, multi outcome quest lines of how are you going to, how are you going to deal with this person? Are you going to be nice? Are you going to use logic? Are you going to use your heart? Whatever. Um, and I love that, you know, they very much did like the Witcher thing. Cause that's a big thing like in the Witcher and even Assassin's Creed Odyssey, they kind of did the whole, you can different uh, emotions that you can convey your different different ways to go about handling a quest and i love that i love whenever games do that because it makes me feel like my experience is going to be a little bit different than someone else's which is the whole intent um i'm i guess all i'm saying and again you've beaten the game i haven't i never got the resolution of aloy's story or anything so there's a lot of it that's still very much uh, uh, scattered pieces of a puzzle for me I don't 100% buy Aloy as a character. I believe in what she's doing. I think what her journey, like, is, I think it's awesome. Like, she's trying to, I feel like she's trying to prove something, and I I love that, because I feel like that's an underdog type thing of, like, you're going to show somebody what you're about and all that. It's just whenever it comes to her interactions with other NPCs and other characters, I don't 100% buy her as a character, as a I don't buy her as a, her as a character. And like you said, that could be attributed to the the production or, or the voice actor or whatever. Go ahead. I think here's the thing with her and why her interactions with NPCs might be kind of difficult too, is she is the only person in this world who is not naive to the system around her or who isn't naive. So everyone else, she as an outcast was set aside from the whole like system and the world as it's constructed in the game. So there's all these different tribes and there's all these different like mysticism and beliefs about, you know, various things and misunderstanding about the world around them. But she's kind of been removed from all of that. And while everyone else, you know, is very kind of almost small minded minded in what they're, believe and what they think about the world and their understanding of the world around them she's curious and she's trying to find true answers and since she has a focus and she's one of the few characters in the game that has a focus she knows you know okay what's bullcrap and what's not yeah and not everybody else does right it's like she it's like she almost she knows more already everyone else in the world around her yeah and as she explores, that can grow more and more and more and more and more answers are, or she gets more and more answers to her questions. Yeah. And but nobody else in the world really gets it all because they've been trapped in this world that's been constructed around them. That's all kind of based off of false knowledge. So yeah, not to give any major spoilers away, but I think that is kind of the reason why she might seem so kind of just different than everyone else and why her interactions might be so awkward. Yeah. It's just because she's on a completely other like knowledge level and understanding level of that world than anybody else. Yeah. It's like she's has the knowledge of an adult and everyone else is like a toddler. Yeah. And she's having to kind of deal with it all. I, I like, I like what you're saying and I, I want to like Aloy. 
is the thing. Yeah. And I think there's also kind of a a personality trait that in real life I don't vibe with. And it is kind of that that person that thinks that they're the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And I have a hard time with those people in real life. So if Aloy is that type of person and she really and I do remember certain facets of the game like, you know, the way people perceive the machine, the machines and the way they kind of, you know, build like a religion of sorts around what they think they know of the machines. And she's like, you guys are idiots. You know, I, I like that. I do like that part though, those parts of it. Um, but yeah, I, I want to, I want to experience her more. I want to experience the whole thing, you know, and get the whole picture because right now I'm like, I just, I don't know if I want to, I don't, Anytime I've ever gone through a game or spent X amount of time with a character, you feel like you're kind of friends with that character in a way because you've seen them execute and go through some things and things like that. And all I remember of Aloy was she wasn't very nice and she got her butt kicked a lot by a lot of different things. And I want to I wanna complete that story and, and figure out how I truly feel because I feel like you couldn't have – you couldn't have that opinion, you know, unless you go through it. But – um, we will only time will tell once we get to that part of the game, whenever I am ready to talk about that. But that was the one thing I wanted to mention. And I, I appreciate your, um, articulated response and, you know, kind of, cause you have the full picture and you're kind of like, you know, talking to me, someone who doesn't, but, um, let's kind of talk about the, uh, the engine for the game and, and the way the game looks a little bit of first impressions. You kind of touched on it a little bit, you know, the way the world looks. Um, so this is built on the Decima engine which is going to probably be a very key point for PlayStation games going forward and certain for certain games. Um, they built uh, Death Stranding on the Decima engine, um, which leads me to believe that it has lots of capabilities because Death Stranding did a lot of things that a lot of people aren't going to be able to see because they won't give that game the time of day. Um, but this game is absolutely gorgeous. And every... It, there is so much detail in the world, you know. Um, we have a, a map full of different biomes, and you know, there's uh, the, in one area there's lush scenery with flowers, and you know, the, just the, even though the cover system, the way, whenever you get into cover and the way the weeds look, like I mean, it's just it's just a beautiful, and especially in 4K, it's like oh my god, like this is this is amazing because you don't ha- you, so you don't have a PlayStation 4 Pro, right? No, <laughs> but it still looks amazing on what you have. Yeah, uh, it's funny. So this game came out in 2016. Yes. Um, I don't have a PlayStation Pro, so this might be part of the problem. But immediately after playing this game, I played Jedi Fallen Order. And I had such a hard time with Jedi Fallen Order and its graphics after playing Horizon Zero Dawn because things just weren't quite right. And I think it's probably just because that game is newer. It's probably designed more for having a PlayStation pro and you needing that extra like processing power and stuff. And maybe things weren't just like loading right (laughs) with just my simple old crappy PlayStation four. But, uh, it was, it's just incredible to me how good this game looks and it's not perfect. I mean, there's some layers that kind of blend together sometimes and loaded textures and things like that. Yeah, exactly. But I think that happens with a lot of games. Oh yeah. But yeah, this the level of detail, even in the character design um, and how everything flows, everything looks natural and it looks like an immersive world. Yeah. Like they tried yeah. to make it look as realistic as possible. And 
it's incredible, like just absolutely incredible how much detail there is without it looking like just, I mean, this game could have looked like Transformers. I mean, that's the second time I made a Transformers reference. What are you trying to say, Caleb? No, I'm just (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm teasing you. After a while, Transformers start to look like just, you know, blobs of metal glued together. I know what you're talking about. But this doesn't. All of the machines, they look really good and they're all different. They all have different characteristics. They all have parts, parts that, you know, you can shoot off and target and every it's, it's, it's really incredible. The amount of detail they're able to get, to get right with this game. I agree. Do you remember Zoids? Zoids? No, I don't. So there's this, there's this anime whenever I was growing up as a kid and it's probably, it might still be around. You probably still find episodes of it. Um, so there were these robots piloted by, you know, they had pilots basically kind of like Gundam. Um, so like giant mechs in the shapes of animals, like these leopards and lions and stuff like that. And it was very much like mighty Morphin power Rangers kind of meets transformers. It meets like Gundam. And I just remember the first time you come into contact with the, uh, like the tiger, like the, the first machine you really hunt not the Seekers, yeah. but the first one. I remember the first time I watched or that I saw that happen or that as I was experiencing that. I think it took me a couple of tries because I didn't really know how to use the focus and I, I thought I had to be more stealthy. And it was a very immersive account- encounter. And obviously as your gear upgrades and you get better stuff, um, you know, it gets easier to kill those things you encounter. The, the big boss battles that you'll encounter, like you 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 find them more in the wild because you have better equipment to take care of them more. But I just thought that was so cool that that first one that you find, I'm like, oh my God, the they probably love Zoids because that's exactly what it looks like. Like it, it is almost a carbon copy. And um, I, I, I don't know. I just, for that was like a big impression that made it on me. But I love how different um, the machines are and how almost the machines have their own little ecosystem because Mm -hmm. if you get seen by a seeker he alerts every other machine that you are out there so uh, while this game you know this game allows you to kind of have the best of both worlds whenever it comes to stealth and whenever it comes to um just kind of getting in there and wrecking stuff and i remember trying to be as stealthy as possible but whenever it it um, comes down to it like if you have to throw down you have the explosive arrows you have the fire arrows you have all the tools you need to take care of any situation you might find yourself in especially and it's not just the bow you have your other stuff too but it, the game very much encourages you to be as stealthy as you can um, in every in your encounters and at least at least whenever you're trying to go find something go ahead yeah i was just gonna say so like i said i've never played a game like this before i've never played a stealth game ever and so coming into this game and having, you know, a stealth mechanic that seemed crucial to the gameplay was extremely intimidating because I don't have a ton of patience when playing video games. Yeah. But I think what this game does really well is you can use the stealth feature and it has its benefits, especially when once you start unlocking overrides for the various means, then it's really useful. But Man, I after like a bit, I was just like, man, bump the stealth. I'm just going to go and just like, you know, arrows blazing and just light things up. Yeah. And yeah. I was still able to play the game that way. So I think this yeah. game is kind of adapted yeah. to different play styles. Yes. And yes. if you don't have the patience for stealth, like I don't, 
um, you can still kind of get away with using it when you have to, like when you absolutely have to, but not always having to use it. You don't constantly have to be crouched in tall grass and be perfectly quiet in order to survive. You can, you know, go in and have the perfect capabilities to be able to survive without being 100% stealthy, which I, I appreciate a lot. Yeah, it, it really did find a good balance of that, uh, you know, even but I, and I would even say more towards the beginning of the game, because um, I remember that, too, you know, being able to, to kind of take care of business whenever you have to, uh, to an extent, because the game kind of levels up with you and the machines get harder and harder where you kind of do have to be careful and more mindful. It's like, oh, I better not go engage these guys. But towards the beginning of the game, stealth is incredibly beneficial, um, especially because it's a perfect way to kind of teach you how to use your focus. So whenever yeah. you're using your focus and you see all the enemies and stuff, you can perfectly map out where you want to go while utilizing those stealth mechanics. While at the same time, you're leveling up and getting better gear. That way, you've already kind of mastered the stealth mechanic by the time you're really able to go in there and take care of business, should you be able to. And I would say that's even within the first 10 hours of the game, you know, being yeah. able to do that, which is really cool. Something just fell in here. I was just trying to find what it was. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm about, I'm on my second playthrough right now. Like my second time trying to, you know, go through it. And I actually, you know, the first time I got this game, I bought it and I sold it. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to play this again, whatever. And then I went into a GameStop not too long ago, about a year and a, a year ago or something. And the game was on sale. The Ultimate Edition was on sale for 10 bucks. which the Frozen Wilds obviously got really good critical acclaim, and I want to go through that. And we'll, we'll definitely... I, see, there you go. Perfect. Four episodes. You haven't gone through the Frozen Wilds yet, correct? No, I have. I mean, I haven't done everything you can, but I've okay. gone through the story with that. Nice. Well, I'm going to try... I'm going to attempt to get the Platinum Trophy for this game because um, I want to make sure our listeners are, um, you know, getting the best review possible. And uh, which, you know, for those of you who don't know, a platinum trophy is whenever you complete pretty much every trophy challenge that the developer set out for you to do, what they recommend you do. And it actually has one of the highest completion rates um, next to Spider-Man, even for platinum trophies, which I actually just platinumed Spider-Man the other day. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to get this one started. But I'm on my second playthrough and I'm about to get to the proving. And I, okay. I bought the game for $10 last year. Um, the Ultimate Edition or whatever. It was at GameStop on sale, brand new. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to get to this eventually. There's no reason to not have this in my collection. So I'm about to get to the proving, and I kind of, you know, I'm, tr I'm trying to take more time to kind of drink in as much detail as I possibly can rather than just trying to go guns a-blazing because I want to get the full experience. And the goal is once you get the Platinum, or once I get the Platinum, and once I beat the Frozen Wilds, to never really come back to this game again. You know, because I've had such a, a long journey with it. I just kind of want to play through it, be done. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. I feel like we were. this was a, a good, you know, kind of entry into kind of seeing what the game is going to be about. And, uh, you know, I don't want to really divulge too much more. But um, I feel like this was a, you know, a really good episode one for this, a good a good appetite wetter. And, and honestly, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to go out and buy the game, it's so cheap now. It's $20 digital. I'm sure you can find it as if you want a physical copy. It's going to be around that. You know, it's been out for a long time, which is crazy. It doesn't seem like it should be so cheap, but mm -hmm. it is. And I'm like, man, time just flies nowadays. So if you want to play along with us, um, I would uh, I would highly enjoy that. And you could write in and let us know what you think of it.
Caleb, yeah. what do you got? What do you got to say about that? No, I was just gonna say I bought the game off of like Amazon for like ten bucks, brand new. There the you go. Edition. It's it was it's such an insanely good deal. Like best ten bucks you can spend. It's insane. And I mean, I'm sure this game isn't for everybody, um, but it's. I had this like instant regret, you know, once I started playing this game. Like, gosh, why didn't I buy this three years sooner? You know. Yeah. It's it's just such a it's such a good game. Sure, it's not for everybody, but for me, it's it's a great game. Yeah, and I think you know, just kind of cl- closing comments. I think anyone who's ever played any like, because it, it really bother, it really borrows a lot of mechanics and a lot of things from Assassin's Creed. And I think very much Gorilla's idea was how can we make a less violent version of that? And job well done because that's exactly what this is. And um, yeah, I th- I think. If you like the stealth idea, if you like a beautiful more a, a beautiful immersive world with weird characters, I think you're gonna you know enjoy it should you decide to pick it up. But Caleb, that is going to wrap it up for this first episode of Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, you know, short and sweet, thirty to forty minute episodes. That's the goal, I think. Um, you know, um, but uh, thank you for joining me and thank you for giving your insight on on what you've experienced with the game because it's nice to have somebody it's kind of like the thing of like me and Emma going through the Marvel cinematic stuff like I'm really into it she doesn't really remember it so you have like uh, someone who knows a lot about it versus someone who's kind of coming into it for the first time and in a lot of ways listeners um, I'm right there with you for a lot of this stuff so there you go but Caleb should someone want to find you and talk to you about Horizon Zero Dawn. Is there a place where they can do that? Yeah, so you can follow me on my Twitter. It's at Chief in NY18. Um, that's probably the best place to find me. Um, but yeah, for sure, if you want to check me out there, um, I'm sure every once in a while, if there's any ever news um, on you know Horizon 2 or like the Horizon comments with which, uh, you uh, reach we did about recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be there for that. So, yeah, you can find me there. Yeah, we might even have to do like a little side episode when that comic run releases. Um, that'd be yeah. fun, especially if we can, you know, as we're as we're going through, we can kind of put it on the main feed. Um, thanks for that, Caleb. If you want to find me, you can find me at The Wannabe Critic on any social media platform. Um, you can write into the show at geeklybiweekly1 at gmail.com. Um, don't forget, we have other podcast feeds. We have The Wannabe Critic, Storytime, and A Guy and His Wife. Um, you know, they're all similar in their branding and the author of all of them is the wannabe critic because it's a big family here and that's what it is. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We appreciate all the support and all, you know, anyone who's listening and, uh, we appreciate you preparing yourselves for a plethora of hot takes and potentially unpopular opinions until next time we will be talking more horizon. Uh, maybe something else we're going to be kind of playing multiple games concurrently, you know, and who knows whenever these episodes will release, but nonetheless, it's for your listening pleasure. So thank you for being a part of it and we hope you enjoy it. Say goodbye, Caleb. See you guys.